Chapter forty one of the Apostle of Alaska The Story of William Duncan of Metlakatla by John W. Arctander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. The Christian Church as the life of the metlakatlans centers round and has its foundations in the religion of the christ so naturally every interest in the little village clusters around and culminates in the church it naturally dominates all and everything the official name of the church of metlakatla is simply the christian church of metlakatla it and its members belong to no sect or denomination it is strictly an undenominational evangelical church its whole creed is found on the beautifully inlaid pulpit on the ribbon held in the bill of the white dove god is love and in the glad gospel message surmounting its preaching platform the angel saith unto them fear not for behold i bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of david a saviour which is christ the lord in this pulpit is welcomed any evangelical preacher and from its platform have spoken to the people of metlakatla bishop rowe the efficient and indefatigable head of the episcopal church of alaska as well as methodist baptist congregational presbyterian and lutheran ministers and laymen the only condition exacted is that they preach no ism but only the pure simple gospel message of jesus the christ crucified it may in this connection be interesting to read mr duncan's views on the propriety and expediency of nonsectarianism in heathen missions he says i hold that it would be well if all missionaries on leaving their several societies to preach the gospel to the heathen would leave their respective church colors behind them and take their stand in heathen lands under but one and the same banner the banner of christ if this were done we would i believe not only have less strife and rivalry ill success and hollowness in mission work but we would have more reality more progress and more victory divisions among religious teachers are sad stumbling blocks to the heathen bad enough to have divisions at home but far worse to carry them abroad to fetter and worry new converts while in the weakness of their pupilage if however denominational differences must ultimately arise among the new converts to divide them as they have divided us then let at least such divisions be inaugurated by themselves and be attributable to diversity of thought and choice as with us as far as we are concerned let them remain united as long as they can and divide only when necessity from within demands it it seems to me worthy of the best sympathies of the christians at home to foster the desire of newly formed congregations in heathen lands for church unity in their respective countries and nothing less than simple unmitigated cruelty to try to divide them for the glory of any church denomination or party these were his sentiments when he first left england fifty years ago he was animated by them in his opposition to clapping the manacles of the church of england on his new converts and to this day he is true to the convictions of his youth and has faithfully carried them out in the church formation rather than church organization at metlakatla 
three times a day every sabbath do the church bells of metlakahtla call upon the people to attend divine service the morning service is at eleven thirty it is a great sight sunday morning to see the walks black with people from all directions they are coming men women and children as the people are entering the church with solemn mien and stolid faces while the bells are still pealing out their message of invitation to one and all a prelude is played on the fine pipe organ thus far the only one in alaska as the last sound of the bell is dying away in the stillness and peace of the place mr duncan clothed in a black prince albert coat without even a white tie or any other clerical vestment or adornment ascends the preaching platform and kneels down for silent prayer behind the reading desk a hymn is then sung in simpsian by the congregation which always rises in singing thereupon mr duncan kneeling in the pulpit after saying in english let us pray offers an earnest prayer in simpsian the congregation all kneeling in their seats at the conclusion of this prayer which usually takes about five minutes the audience joins with him in the lord's prayer also in simpsian thereupon he closes with the apostolic benediction the congregation now sings a song from pentecostal hymns numbers one and two whereupon the church choir consisting of twenty-four excellent voices gives an anthem mr duncan rises approaches the reading desk and again kneels down for a very short simple prayer in english the audience also again kneeling he thereupon reads in english the text which in the forenoon always is in the international sunday school lesson the audience following him in their bibles then he begins his sermon always in simpsian he first paraphrases the portion of the scriptures read in simpsian taking pains to make it very plain to his people and then gives them the message which god's word has for them on that day the benign face of the inspired teacher fairly beams as in a solemn benediction it seems to be lit up by the light from heaven and as he explains and reproves consoles and praises and points to god's help the animated face and his impressive gesticulation change so that one even though not understanding a word of the language seems to be able to follow him in his exposition and after listening to him one well understands the wonderful hold he has on his people and how they never tire of hearing him expound the gospel message in fact so pronounced are his earnestness sincerity and solemnity in speech as well as in prayer coupled with the most serene simplicity that i was not surprised to hear mr wallace remark that he felt more edified by hearing him in simpsian a language he did not understand than by hearing many ministers preach in english after a sermon of about three-quarters of an hour he again says let us pray and all kneel for a short prayer at the conclusion of which he as well as the audience remains kneeling for a fraction of a minute in silent prayer the audience now files out quietly and solemnly with the word of god so forcibly imprinted on their minds and in their hearts reflected in their solemn faces there is no chatting no visiting among these church members either at the church or on the way home you can see in their faces and in their reverential demeanor that god's word has not been spoken to them in vain 
there is no room for levity it is mr duncan's plan that nothing shall intervene after the word has been sent home to their hearts for that reason he never allows at the morning service any closing hymn it was the same idea which when he at an early day itinerated around and preached the gospel in their different villages causing him to order his men to have his canoe ready so he could start immediately after the service had closed he did not want to give them any opportunity for familiarity or for fraternizing with him he wanted to leave the message and remove the messenger from their minds in the afternoon at three thirty the natives have their own service in the church while mr duncan gathers around him in the schoolroom the smaller children all under twelve years of age to a number all the way from ninety to one hundred and fifty according to the season and personally conducts their sabbath school service on saturday night he always meets for an hour the sunday school teachers and goes over with them the lesson for the next day explaining and expounding and advising them how best to teach it so that they are duly prepared for their duties the next day the native's own service is conducted by one of the elders chosen by his fellows for each service the leader gives out a hymn from the pentecostal hymns and offers a prayer in simpshian the classes then separate and the lesson is studied by each a photograph of the women sunday school teachers at metlakatla is found on a nearby page upon reconvening the leader makes a short address on the golden text also in simpshian another hymn is sung in english and the meeting closes with prayer by one of the other elders only to be reconvened again in a few minutes for what is called the young people's gospel hymn song service and now the tsimshian love of song and music has a feast it is most edifying to see with what vim and feeling they sing one after the other their favorite gospel hymns and at almost every service a new one is added to the list which makes their hearts swell and their voices rise mightily to the throne of god in song and praise at seven thirty the church bell again calls these devoted people this time to the evening service at which there is the singing of a hymn in english a prayer by mr duncan in simpshian and a short address in the same language on some subject selected by him from the scriptures then the doxology is sung and one of the elders selected for that purpose while all the congregation is kneeling from his pew leads in a closing prayer the congregation solemnly and reverently disperses and the sabbath at metlakatla is over later on one hears the organs in the different houses and gospel hymns continue to be sung in the homes until ten o'clock which is the recognized hour of rest in the village on sunday evenings mr duncan generally takes up a series of discourses the summer of nineteen o eight it was the parables which furnished the theme on wednesday evening is held the midweek service attended by all of the more earnest christians at the place for of course there are here as everywhere those who are more earnest in their christian life and those who are lagging behind it lasts about an hour and is opened with one of the old well-known hymns in english a short prayer and address in simpshian follow then the closing prayer by one of the natives for a couple of years the epistles of saint peter were taken up at these meetings then the psalms in the year nineteen o eight the miracles of christ furnished the subject for devotional consideration 
mr duncan has never at any time made any translation of the bible or any part of it into their language he has such pious veneration for the old king james version that he can only think of an attempt to transfer it into their tongue as an absolute mutilation of the holy word bishop ridley at an early day with the assistance of a female native made a rather abortive attempt at translating into tsimshian the book of common prayer but mr duncan claims that the translation is more than useless half of the time it is absolutely meaningless to the tsimshians and what they can understand of it partakes rather of the ridiculous than of the sublime in its awkward expressions of the holy thoughts several natives at metlakahtla who have tried to use the book fully agree with him in his views in this regard anyone looking at the illustration on a nearby page of the interior of the church at metlakahtla will undoubtedly believe that the large book above the preaching platform inscribed holy bible is carved in wood from whatever point in the pews it is looked at it has all the appearance of a book perfectly carved in wood but this is an optical illusion caused by the native painter's art and makes it really a greater work of art than if it had been carved for it is nothing but a flat piece of board properly painted and shaded the paintings in the two fields of the front wall like everything in the church except the pipe organ and the gas fixtures are the work of the natives one depicts the announcement of the angels to the shepherds at bethlehem of the joyous event of the birth of the christ the other the visit of the magi to the christ child in the background bathed in the rays of the star loom up the walls and the houses of the little city of bethlehem it should be noted that neither of the natives who had produced these works have had any instruction in painting or for that in drawing their handiwork is simply the result of raw native talent the inlaid work on the pulpit is very tasteful in the rear of the church near the entrance door is fastened on the wall a memorial tablet in polished marble recording the loss to the church of david leask for many years one of its elders and already frequently mentioned in these pages as one of mr duncan's most valued assistants among the natives undoubtedly it will be interesting to see what stand mr duncan and his church now take on the administration of the two sacraments so long the subject of vital difference between him and the society as i have felt that on this subject i should if possible secure mr duncan's views in his own language i some time ago wrote and asked him to give them to me and i here reproduce his answer to my letter prefacing it however with the remark that some short time after removing to american alaska when he thought the people had attained the proper understanding of its importance he introduced among them the sacrament of the lord's supper in the modified form in which it is now administered and that he invariably uses the unfermented wine it may here be stated that the main reason why he never would consent to the administration of this sacrament among the natives under the form and ritual prescribed by the anglican church and by a priest arrayed in his robes and vestments was that he was afraid and certainly not without good reason that it would too much partake of and remind the indians of the powers and practices of their old medicine men who apparelled in their blankets were nothing but ordinary men with ordinary power but upon assuming their robes headdresses necklaces and rattles became in the indian mind endowed with superhuman miraculous ability mr duncan says 
as i believe that faith in christ should precede baptism and as there is no definite command or warrant to baptize children we do not have infant baptism i know that some good people regard the ceremony of infant baptism as an act of dedicating their children to god to this i reply we can dedicate assuredly to god what will obey our will but not that which can resist our will having a will of its own king david of old could and did dedicate his gold to god and the gold was used for god's temple but if he ever undertook to dedicate absalom to god he lived to see and mourn over his failure each individual has a will which none not even the father or mother can command but only the possessor and without the exercise of that will religious service is but mockery what however can we do for children is what was done for the children who were brought to christ and received his blessing the disciples at that time were baptizing more people than john the baptist we are told but surely if children were being admitted as well as adults the disciples would not have been guilty of the mistake they made when they rebuked those who brought the children we too can bring children to christ for his blessing for he is present now with his church where two or three are met together in his name and this we do at metlakatla generally on the first sunday of the year the parents after a meeting with me in which the importance of this step is impressed on them bring those of their children born during the past year to church at our morning service a special prayer is offered to god in behalf of these little ones and each child thereupon receives a card to commemorate the occasion as follows our lord jesus christ said suffer little children to come unto me you blank, when an infant were brought into the church at metlakatla alaska on the day of blank, a d nineteen o blank, and a prayer was offered on your behalf remember this as you grow in years and follow on to know the lord jesus christ whom to know is life eternal when the children arrive at maturity a class of catechumens is started in which they are especially instructed in the essential truths of christ's religion and their duty to accept him and join the church by baptism impressed upon them whereupon those who desire to be are baptized when i while in british columbia objected to the administration of the lord's supper to the natives one of the reasons was that i felt persuaded that the man-made additions to the ordinance which the ritual of the church imposed would mislead and prove to be a curse rather than a blessing to the natives in their infantile condition as christians i cannot shut my eyes to the sad fact that out of and around the administration of the sacrament not out of the partaking of it have arisen the greatest errors and the bitterest strife which have cursed and torn the christian church and i did not want to see these errors springing up in metlakatla while i had influence to keep them out after the settlement of our people in alaska we added this christian ordinance to our church service but we keep it in the simplicity of its inauguration i recognize the ordinance to be simply a memorial and christians are to partake of it but i see no authority for it to be administered by a priest we have a very solemn and simple service after my address to the people on some scripture bearing on the service i step down and take my seat among the congregation four elders then go to the table 
and while they stand before it i read the words from the scripture which our lord used when he instituted the ordinance the elders then take plates of bread and hand them to the communicants where they are seated after the bread is received each communicant kneels in silent prayer the wine in four vessels is dealt with in the same way when all have partaken in this way i resume my place at the desk and we join in a hymn of praise and this is followed by prayer by one of the elders this takes place three times a year only at evening service to which none come but those who desire to participate in the communion service end of chapter forty one